Game on! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the fourth edition of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey. It's hockey in sneakers. James, my friend, we've made it to episode four. My favorite number. Awesome. Yes, yes, it is, in fact, your number. Um, <laughs> that uh, And actually, that leads us into the starting lineup. And today's starting lineup, in goal, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey. And my illustrious co-host on defense, number four, James Sajazi. And tonight we have a very special guest. Number 32 or number 13, depending on my mood. Mike Margiana, goaltender, occasional defenseman, occasional very lost forward on very rare occasions. All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining us to the podcast tonight. Thank you for having me. It's uh, really a great honor. No, please. The pleasure is all ours. <laughs> And we will hear from Mike very shortly. But first, James, my friend, I've been decked. I've called a press conference to answer for my actions. Thank you all for listening. I've prepared a statement which I would like to read. On the third episode of the Hit the Deck podcast, I, Gary made a number of erroneous statements pertaining to NHL regulations regarding rink size and configuration. These statements were not made maliciously, as at the time, I believed them to be true. However, ignorance is not an excuse for carelessness. I take my podcast responsibilities very seriously, and I deeply regret the damage which I may have done to hit the deck's credibility and reputation. I sincerely apologize to James, my friend and partner in this endeavor, as well as you, the listener. I ask only that I be given an opportunity to earn back your trust. I solemnly promise that going forward, I shall do my due diligence on all topics so as to ensure accuracy, except when doing otherwise would be more entertaining. As punishment for this disservice, I hereby levy against myself a suspension of one podcast segment, effective immediately. As my final act, I humbly request that James will inform you, the listener, as to what is on deck for today's podcast. Thank you. No questions. Yeah, well, for the record, I protest that I'm taking this up with the league. But anyway, in the meantime, here's what's on deck. Leading off the debut of a new Hit the Deck segment called Face Off Circle. It's an interview series of members of the LIQ where we'll learn about their hockey backgrounds and the history of our league, which then inspired this very broadcast. Leading off the Face Off Circle is the man who named the LIQ, goaltender Mr. Mike Margiata. Tournamentality, competing in various organized deck hockey tournaments in New York City will be discussed. And then the rebound shot, a follow-up of the concussions topic from a few podcasts ago with an article written in the Wall Street Journal by Matthew Futterman entitled How to Clean Up Hockey's Dirtiest Hits, and that's what's on deck. And leading things off tonight is a brand new segment on Hit the Deck called the Face-Off Circle. And as we said before, our special guest will be Mike Margiata, who is the founding father of our very own LIQ. So again, thank you for joining us tonight, Mike. Thank you again for having me. 
And basically what the Face-Off Circle is, is just an interview series of our members of the LIQ. And um, to keep it consistent, we'll just keep about four questions that we'll ask each member, whoever likes to join our, uh, our podcast. And it's an honor for you to lead things off with that. Thank you very much. Thank and then from there, we'll just, sure, we'll uh, make it a little bit more personal after that. So for the core four questions leading things off again is uh mike basically when did you start playing deck hockey my first real uh introduction to deck hockey or really street hockey would have been in november and december of 2012 so we were in the middle of the lockout and uh, a friend of mine and i were both missing hockey quite a great deal and uh we said you know what why don't we why don't we play hockey ourselves if we can't watch it and the original idea was to play some kind of ice hockey. So I actually bought ice skates and I bought a stick and bought some kind of preliminary gear to get going. And we sort of practiced playing in the street in front of my house a few times just to kind of learn the game. And then on New Year's Eve of 2012 into 2013, I had a little party at some friends over. We tried to play a game and I actually hyperextended my ankle. So I was in a walking boot, had a cane and effectively derailed my hopes of playing ice hockey anytime within the next uh, year, pretty much following that. But it was that summer, so the summer of 2013, that I started playing. Firstly, I had another little party. I had some friends over. We played again in the street. And then a little bit later, we organized our first game, right? Rob, Gary's cousin's house, or Gary's in-law's cousin's house. And... uh, from there, we just started playing. All right, cool. Yeah, for a guy that's only been playing for about four years, you don't show it. You're a much better talent than your um, experience shows. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, sure. Uh, any reason why you chose your primary position? As we all know, you're one of the founding goaltenders of the LIQ and a darn good one at that. And you mentioned that you occasionally play defense and, and forward sometimes. But uh, any reason why your primary position that you chose to be goalie? I think... Part of it probably stemmed from the damage I did to my ankle. I I, I unfortunately have a somewhat long history of uh, horrific (laughs) ankle injuries, uh, especially to my right foot and right leg. I've hyperextended it twice very badly. A couple of the things, when I was very young, I got it broken. Uh, My foot was broken. So there's always been a little bit of hesitance to running around really at full speed and then pulling very tight maneuvers like that for me i could just wind up you know who knows what i could do to it again so because of that and just the pain it would cause i you know figured well i'm not gonna run around and and destroy my ankle again but i you know if i sit back and i can kind of defend or play goal then it might be a little bit easier on me and then it kind of just you know evolved from that very quickly from just uh being sort of a defenseman to just goaltender all right, cool. Very interesting. Also, yeah, just as a follow-up question, when you twisted your ankle when you were playing a couple of years ago, were you on um, skates or that was just uh, deck? That was that was uh, on on the street. That was on the street, running around. I live across the street from a Jewish temple, so I used we used their parking lot, which was empty, you know, at, at ten o'clock at night on New Year's Eve. And uh, unfortunately, it's not that even, so I must have been running, and my foot went into some kind of a pothole or something. And the next thing I know, you know, I'm in just a world of pain. I really, that after the adrenaline wore off later that night, I could barely walk. I was like, oh boy, I thought I broke it. Uh, yeah. But luckily I didn't. Yes, amen to that. So 
Ouch. Um, I'm glad you bounced back pretty well from that, that too. So with you being a goaltender, uh, who is your favorite NHL player and or who is the NHLer that influenced you the most? Currently in the game, it would definitely be Jonathan Quick. I mean, he's my favorite goaltender. I think he's pound for pound the best goaltender in the league. And if I had to pick a guy playing the league right now to play in a game that my life depended on, I would be very comfortable with his. But going back, definitely... Dominic Hoshik's always been uh, kind of a favorite of mine. And not that I can ever say I saw him play, but I did read his book and I found it to be very helpful to me, uh, Jacques Plante. Uh, I read a book Jacques Plante wrote about goaltending. With, I mean, it had complete diagrams of how to break down certain plays and how to approach certain things. So I guess I have to at least tip my cap to him in some respect because I don't think if I ever read that book, I would have reached the level that I have, which is not a very high level, but become who I am as a goaltender. Uh, yeah, that's okay. I mean, we're all uh, kind of colleagues in that aspect, so we understand we're not NHLers or whatnot. But for right. what we do, you you do a fine job at that, and, and it's a pleasure to have you in the league, which you basically founded. So uh, we appreciate the modesty, but uh, you're a darn good goalie. So with being, a quick, sure, with being a quick fan, you became a Kings fan because of quick or the other uh, way around? I, w- I was always kind of a... A Kings fan very loosely for a long time. I will admit that I wasn't the best hockey fan years ago. I don't come from a hockey family. Uh, no one in my family really watches it. The only hockey thing I've ever heard my dad say is I was watching a game maybe two years ago and uh, Yager was playing. He's like, Yarmir Yager, he's still in the league? And that's the only only hockey reference I've ever heard. So I, I don't really come from a hockey family or anything like that. But I always I had one friend that was trying to get me to the Islanders, and then I had another friend who was trying to pull me away from the Islanders and get me to the Rangers, and I eventually kind of just, I was like, this Kings team sounds cool, and, and then when they went on their, their cup run, when you stay up till 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning, because all the games start at 10.30 at night, and you just stay up and you're mesmerized by, I mean, that was, I think, in terms of sports, and as long as I can remember, that's still probably, I think, the best playoff team I've ever seen the, the 2012 Kings, I mean, it was just, it was a wrecking ball. And it was just nothing like a really great championship winning team to cement, you know, your love and your interest and your passion for a game and for a team and for a sport and, and for players. I mean, you know, Quick was and still is the anchor of that team. I admire your commitment too, exactly. Being over here in the East Coast, it's really difficult to stay up for those West Coast teams games. So uh, nicely done with that. It is uh, so... <laughs> exhausting at times especially sure. during the playoffs absolutely uh so yeah so that was basically the four questions that we'll ask any of our guests who decide to join us would be so kind to do so and uh, just to be more specific with you mike mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind just giving us a brief explanation on how you came up with the name the liq and what the liq stands for well the the liq is the in its full name is the long island queen's Major Junior Street Hockey League, and it originally was the Long Island Queens Major Junior 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 Street Hockey League because I figured we would all be really, really bad, and the juniors were to kind of denote how bad we were, you know, kind <laughs> of like reverse triple A, you know, like, they have, oh, single A, so I said, well, we'll do it reverse, and the more juniors, I guess the more Bush League we were, but um, it's a little wordy, and eventually I think we've elevated from three juniors just to one. 
Um, and the name itself, I mean, everyone play who plays with us is either from Long Island or they're from Queens. And um, the Major Junior comes from the Quebec Major Junior League. I've always just thought that's a, a very wordy, but still somehow it's a name that despite being way too complex for a hockey league it kind of does flow off the tongue in a strange way and it's just i always kind of like those odd minor leagues that have some you know sometimes they have very bizarre names and it's just kind of it's part of what makes hockey so colorful and so different is because it's such a different kind of league or different kind of sport with all these weird hidden leagues underneath so just uh you know long island queens and then major junior sounded fun and uh street hockey league because that's what we play did you ever think that it would evolve into what it has become now with uh, more people playing and the consistent games that we get together thanks to just having a name and making it somewhat official? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I just thought it would be an easy way for us to try and organize a game once a month because I think before someone would send out a text and they would send it to someone else. And I mean, that's you always wind up forgetting someone or whatever, and it's difficult to organize a specific time and place to play. So, you know, I just figured, well, why not? make a Facebook group and make the name. And next thing you know, I mean, we're starting to go from playing every three weeks, to every two weeks, to every other week, to every week. And yeah. I, really, I, no, I never thought it would get to this. Well done. Well done. You're a vision, visionary, whether you admit it or not. And uh, <laughs> speaking of which, which you touched on the Facebook page, which you created and also is probably the most responsible for organizing our games for consistent games and for more players joining and which then evolved into this very broadcast as a matter of fact podcast i should say so thank you for that okay. really that that yeah that that's you know great job embracing technology and like you're saying it's a lot easier on facebook where you could just send a post there and uh, you can invite more people and see whoever wants to play or not and even you could tell if it's going to be a good turnout or not if you should bother going or cancel it and whatever so uh you know kudos to you and much appreciated so thanks for that thank you very much um that's very kind words and they're sincere so uh yeah thanks for being our first man to go into the face-off circle appropriately enough and uh we appreciate it thank you very much it's been a real pleasure and I'm reinstated. Thank you, James. That was a very informative interview with Mike. So uh, thank you for sitting down with him and handling that in my absence. You were sorely missed, but thank you. No, no, the, the punishment fit the crime. And in the future, as I said, we'll endeavor to be a good boy and not mislead our dear listeners. Uh, I think you're being too hard on yourself, but again, I'm going to take this up with the leagues. So. Yeah, all right. Talk to me about tournamentality, James. Will do. Basically, to lead things off, the Rocky Sullivan's tournament in Red Hook, Brooklyn, will be Saturday, April 9th, 2016. Just to give a quick background of that, Rocky Sullivan's is a bar in Red Hook, Brooklyn. As mentioned before, it's on 34 Van Dyke Street in Brooklyn. And every year, they, for the last few seasons, they, they have uh, put together a really fun and enjoyable deck hockey tournament which we have participated in a couple of times here and there. So um, with that, basically, we thought it would be a good idea to delve into the deck hockey tournament part of the world of deck hockey. So with the uh, Rocky Sullivan's tournament coming up soon, basically, Gary and I have participated together in a couple of tournaments, one of them being last year's Rocky Sullivan's, which was held in um, October of 2015 right and another uh, tournament that we participated in last year uh april of last year 
of 2015 was the Rose Charities MoFo Deck Hockey Tournament, which was also a lot of fun. So basically, based on those two tournaments, uh, we'll dive into the differences between them, the pros and cons, and uh, basically anybody out there listening, and thank you for doing so, we just want to invite you to participate in these uh, tournaments if you're able to, and we will provide information for you to look into joining one or both of those tournaments. Yeah, just an aside, if you're outside of New York City and you don't feel like trucking in for these tournaments, feel free to just fast forward the podcast about 10 minutes. We apologize for leaving you out of the conversation, but they say write what you know, and I assume the same goes for podcasting. Podcast what you know, so, you know, them's the breaks, I suppose. There you go. I mean, good point there, Gary. Obviously, the internet is an excellent tool when you know how to use it and use it properly. So wherever you are listening out there, again, thank you very much. Jump on Google or whatever, some search engine, and type in deck hockey tournaments, and chances are you'll probably find one or two that is in your area. And uh, we're just here to tell you that it's something to consider. It's a lot of fun, and I think you'd enjoy participating in it. So getting back to our part of the world here in the New York City area, one of the things that fascinates me about deck hockey tournaments are the different rules that are for different tournaments. So, for example, in the Rocky Sullivan's tournament, which is known as Hockey at Rockies, is that uh, slap shots are allowed. There are line changes, not necessarily so, and there are set period lengths. The other thing about the uh, Rocky rules is um, they do have offsides, but it's a very loose offsides. Really? Yeah. Uh, whereas you um, could have fooled me the basically what that means loose offsides is that you can't have one guy camped out in front of the opposing goalie at all times but basically you could be pretty close to keeping a player illegally parked out in front of your goalie for a majority of the game but um it's not enforced like regular hockey rules in that the lead man goes into the zone first with the puck and then the rest of his team can join him. So it's kind of more like a soccer offside. It's a four on four tournament. So there's three runners and a goalie. So a lot of times you have one or two guys ahead of the player with the puck crashing the zone. And personally for me as a defenseman, that's extremely frustrating. I'm sure as you being a goalie, Gary, it's probably much worse. Yeah, well, like we touched on last week uh, when we mentioned this tournament, it's on a side street. Like, it's on a New York City street, so there's no lines, there's no crease, there's no real demarcation of one zone to the next. So to play an enforced offsides would be nearly impossible. There's not even really a ref. There's just a guy who drops the puck and kind of hustles out of the way. True, yeah. Uh, the The evolution of it anyway is um the the first few tournaments that i participated in at rockies it was really just to promote the game of hockey itself and uh specifically deck hockey and obviously the bar but it was much looser laid back and real pickup style it varied from people that never played hockey before to guys who have played ice hockey and were showing off quite every chance that they had with that skill people didn't even necessarily have jerseys or matching color shirts or equipment for that matter people showed up without sticks or whatever so yeah hmm. to uh, be generous and, and lend those out as well but then fast forward to last year with when we all participated we being the liq 
it was a lot more organized, but yeah, exactly. You're right. Um, in terms of enforcing offsides and rules, there is no official goalie. There's just a, a player from another team who is not participating. I think, sorry, James, I, I think you mean there's no official referee. There are two official goalies. Excuse me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, where's my whistle? All right. Anyway, appreciate that. Thank you no for uh, catching that snafu. So yeah, so the, the, there's not an official referee, so it's if he's even paying attention to what's going on, like keeping score or paying attention to if the nets are in proper position and things like that, and enforcing um, offsides or whatnot. But um, it's still the the idea is for it to be a lot of fun as the bottom line. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I will say that most of the guys that I met at that tournament were good guys, with the exception of one team, which I'm not going to care to name here exactly so with the loose off sides just the uh one of the negatives about that is it could make for a boring unfair game there was one game that the other team that we participate in is known as the crotch mavens that was before i was invited to the liq which i appreciate gary but um day not uh, yeah when uh i was a member of another team known as the crotch mavens we played a few years ago and there was one game that we played in where the opposing team smoked us. I think the final score was something like five to one or Oof. along those lines. Yeah. And when they built that lead, once they, I think we were up one, nothing at one point. And then when they took the lead by a couple of goals, anytime that we had any kind of shot, the goalie would just clear the darn thing and go into the other zone. And it was, it was frustrating and boring. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. I will um, say but, as a goalie who has played there, clearing the zone is harder than it looks. Cause as I mentioned last week, there are no boards. So you really have to have a pretty accurate shot to be able to clear that thing down to the other end and not send it out of play. Yeah. Right. And uh, the other thing too, is the different styles of play. Whereas uh, sometimes there's not supposed to be hitting in deck hockey, especially like you mentioned, there's no board. So if um, and, and also, like you mentioned, if you're playing on a side street and you hit somebody, there's nowhere to brace yourself. So if you're going to hit the opposing player on the sidewalk, it's a good chance that he or she could trip and really do some damage to him or herself, which is basically like Gary's catchphrase is don't be that guy. But it is a little bit more aggressive. I don't want to scare anybody out there who's listening in and wants to participate in the uh, Rocky Sullivan's tournament. Boo. Just, yeah, Boo. just kind of because, oh. uh, like, like you mentioned, majority of the people there are cool and fun and friendly. So it, it's it is overall a great atmosphere. Also, like we said before, the Rocky tournament is a four-on-four tournament, uh, male and female. Rosters are loosely nine players a team, and people of all ages. I've seen little kids play, and uh, older adults as well. Girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Rocky Sullivan's tournament. Sorry, (laughs) there's something wrong with me. I think we've established that. (laughs) There's minimal equipment needed, as we touched on before. Basically. All you need is a pair of sneakers and a hockey stick. Uh, protective gear is highly recommended, mm-hmm. as is matching team jerseys or at least matching color shirts. Yeah, especially, make, yeah. especially considering how liberal some people are with the elbows and the, the forearms and the stick checks and whatnot. Exactly. Um, and again, just to reiterate, the offsides is very loose. The periods are three six-minute nonstop periods, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I believe so, yes. And again, 
loosely refereed. So take that for what that's worth. It is very competitive. It has grown over the years. It definitely tests your endurance and stamina. But above all, it is a lot of fun, especially if you're competing with your teammates uh, the camaraderie is, as well. And it's basically just $20 a team to register. So if you'd like to find out more information on Hockey at Rockies, go check out their website, which is www.rockysullivansredhook.com. And I will post that on the Facebook page. Thank you, sir. And uh, there you could check out their phone number and more contact information as well. Cool, man. I look forward to Hockey at Rockies. All right, as do I. So, uh, yeah, we have uh, some unfinished business to attend next yeah, tournament. Do. So hope to, hope to see you out there on uh, April 9th. And, uh, again, of our experience, the other tournament that we participated in together, Gary and I, was the Rose Charities slash MoFo Deck Hockey Tournament. Uh, no word for this year yet if they're going to do it, but last year was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, their style is played in an outdoor roller hockey rink and the adjacent outdoor basketball court. And they're located in lower Manhattan on Cherry Street, which is very, very close to the Manhattan Bridge. Uh, I really enjoyed playing in a rink. Uh, To me, that just made it a lot more fun, a lot more hockey-like, and kind of lit a little fire in my belly to go a little bit extra, too. So uh, that was um, my little take on playing in an actual hockey rink yeah one thing i will say that the rocky tournament and the mofo rose charities tournament have in common is that in both tournaments you're playing two games at a time uh whereas with rockies it's on a city street that's divided in half so you've got basically the two halves of the street are two different courts that people are playing on with the rose charities tournament it is as james said one is played on a hockey rink and one is played on the basketball court that's right next to it and this is actually this highlights one of the things that james was talking about before about how these tournaments you look at and and something we were talking about last week you get all different configurations and and potentially unfamiliar conditions um, because when you show up for the Rose Charities tournament, you don't know if you're going to be playing on the basketball court, which is partly enclosed, mostly enclosed, but there are some, you know, some openings, there are some entryways, and um, there are not real hard boards because um, it's just, you know, gates and what have you, and people have their stuff stacked against the sides, and there are people standing on the sidelines, so it's. kind of a a loosely defined boundary and you also have an actual hockey rink with boards and and benches and all this stuff that you would normally get in a hockey environment so you really kind of have to be able to play on your toes you have to kind of be versatile enough to roll with the punches depending on where they put you right and yeah, to reiterate what Gary was saying, the uh, the prices range, at least for last year's tournament, if they do it again this year. So how it was based last year was a $65 donation let us pair up. So Gary and I were able to be teammates and, and register together. So with the idea that full teams cannot register together in order to ensure fair competition, but at least you could go with at least one of your buddies. And it helps that Gary's a goalie too, because they are... Uh, the priceless variety of hockey player out there. Yeah, well, 
I would just like to think that fortunately for the, the betterment of the world, there aren't that many people stupid enough to do what we do. So, uh, you know, that I guess we are in a bit of demand in that regard. Yes, you are. And appreciated, too. And uh, final notes on the Rose Charities deck hockey tournament is they do have full squads of six on six teams. That's goalie included with full line changes. Uh, it's Again, it's male and female players and rosters are about 12 players a team, I believe. And protective gear is also highly encouraged and used helmets included as are matching team jerseys or at least matching color shirts for consistency sake. And they also recommend that you bring a dark jersey and a light jersey. So, for example, for Gary and I, when we'll probably touch on this in future podcasts, uh, Gary helped design our official jersey. With Brad Vonsky, uh, another member of the LIQ, who we hope to have as a guest on a future podcast. Thank you, sir. Yes. And uh, the benefit for those jerseys is that it's a black jersey, but you flip it around and underneath it's a white jersey. So you get the best of both worlds in that aspect. So that that's pretty helpful. So the uh, Rose Charities deck hockey, they do a really good job in organizing it and, and making it as much fun as possible for keeping those details. Right. And, okay. um, but as James said, you can't join as a team. You can only join as an individual or if you pay a little more, uh, you can ask to be put with somebody else. So you really don't know who you're going to be playing with until you show up that day. And yeah, again, in, in our experience, that one tournament that we participated in, everybody was really friendly. The team that we played with, I, I thought was really good and anchored by Gary with another excellent job in goal with that. Yeah, your, it was... <laughs> your memory of that day is slightly different from mine, but uh, I'll agree to disagree. Okay, but just I think we could both agree on this part is that uh, there was one game where there was a very questionable goal that went against us where one of our teammates was very helpful in blocking a shot and they made up some rule that he wasn't allowed to do that which was complete bs so whatever but uh anyway i'm not bitter about it or anything no no clearly but uh, the uh they did somehow um because they never saw us play before and then we never saw them play before but they somehow grouped us on a good team which we i think we gelled well with them and um the line changes were very fair everybody had a good amount of quote-unquote ice time apiece nobody was left on the sidelines too long defensive pairs and forward lines as well male and female everybody was pretty much on par and the talent was good all around everyone knew what he or she was doing which was makes it a lot more fun and people knowing roles and and um shutting mouths sorry that's that's, my that's my wwe background i apologize Exactly. And um, and really participating and being a good teammate. So they did a heck of a job in doing that. And we thoroughly enjoyed it and definitely recommend if you're interested in at least checking out the Rose Charities slash MoFo deck hockey tournament. Hopefully they will do it again this year. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record on this um, or some kind of Internet social justice warrior. But just to reiterate, as James said, it is male and female, and there are a lot of very skilled women out there. So if you are a guy who's playing with a woman, don't underestimate her just because she's a woman, because she 
could very possibly play the pants off of you. And uh, if you are a woman and you're interested in getting into this wonderful sport uh, or you're already part of this sport, but you feel like maybe you're a little unappreciated, stick with it, man. We need or lady, person, female, (laughs) ma'am. Stick with it. And, you know, we need more people like you. So rock on. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Hockey needs all the help it could get. So amen to that. And uh, yeah, just uh, Gary touched on that as well. I was guilty myself of that, which was odd because, you know, my my position is defense and uh, I was paired up with a female defenseman and she was terrific. I mean, it was great. Yeah, she Um, was. She knew what she was doing, took it seriously and uh, was sacrificing her body, whatever. It didn't matter what gender she was. So it was... uh, really refreshing to see and and good to know and also on the flip side with that said uh i was guilty of going a little easy on the opposition there was one particular uh female player that was controlling the puck and i didn't want to again there's no hitting Mm -hmm. in deck hockey at least they're not supposed to be hitting and particularly in this tournament there was strictly no hitting so i kind of backed off a little bit and gave her some space instead of either playing the puck or or touching her at all basically and uh, she almost like ran me over so it was kind of kind of uh, an eye opener and then from that point on I'm thinking okay uh, forget about being a gentleman uh, I wasn't trying to be chauvinistic mm-hmm. play the hockey player it doesn't matter if man female male female or whatever just play that player and play that player consistently regardless of gender. So, yeah, they're the tough ladies out there. So mm-hmm. good for you. All right. Uh, I think that's going to be it on tournamentality, unless there's anything you want to add. No, sir. That uh, sums that up right there. So just to uh, put a cap on this episode of Hit the Deck, the last point, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, was uh, Rebound Shot, which is an article that was written by, I believe his name is uh, Matthew Futterman. Is that how you're supposed to pronounce the name, I suppose? If not, I apologize. But an article written in the Wall Street Journal, which was entitled How to Clean Up Hockey's Dirtiest Hits. Yeah, so just to clarify, Rebound Shot is the name of this segment, not the name of the article. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I've had a long day. I apologize. That's okay. And <laughs> we call it Rebound Shot because we're following up on a discussion topic that we already touched on in a previous podcast. So it's uh, like, uh, you know, a rebound, like you're following up on your shot. It's a, 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 we're, we're very clever. Direct your uh, critical emails to me on that. So thank you, Gary, for jumping on that grenade for me, but I appreciate it. And thank you for the assist as well. Actually, James, I'm going to have to correct you. Direct any emails to hitthedeck at gmail.com. Yes, I'm just all over it today. Boy, oh boy, put me in the doghouse. Anyway, uh, again, apologies for... Uh, yeah, again, apologies for the uh, regionalized talk of Gary's and my favorite NHL team. But the crux of this article was about Ranger captain Ryan McDonough, who received two needless hits to his head within a three week period that resulted in concussions and him losing ice time. So Mr. Futterman suggested that uh, not only suspending the team's head coach with the player that put the bad hit on the opposing player. So basically what uh, Mr. Futterman is trying to say is to decrease the um, cheap shots in the NHL, which they've done a relatively good job in doing so over the years, but uh, to emphasize that 
we will not tolerate that nonsense in the NHL is uh, maybe the head coach might have put the hit out or, or asked his uh, goon to do so. Maybe, maybe not. But either way, it would hurt the team itself a little bit more, not only losing the player that put the bad hit or the illegal hit on the uh, defenseless player, but to hit the head coach in the pocket as well and suspend him too. So Mr. Futterman figured that would be a nice little incentive to stop the nonsense. And uh, I agree with it. Long-time listeners of this podcast, and long-time is here defined as about a month that it's been around, not even. But uh, they might remember that in our first episode of the Hit the Deck podcast, we talked extensively about the danger of concussions in deck hockey and uh, what the implications of that might be. But uh, yeah, that's a very interesting article, James. I like the sentiment of suspending the coach, but you know, I also have heard in this kind of situation, and not just for headhunting, but you know, any kind of egregious penalty that seems premeditated and and injures the player. I've heard a couple of other suggestions from people on how to police that in the game. One thing is a little extreme in my opinion, but the idea that you suspend the offending player for however long the victim winds up missing time, which again, that seems a little egregious because you can have two people hit exactly the same way. And just depending on how they rebound from it no pun intended um you know one person can be out for three weeks the other person can not miss a shift so it's you know that that's a little scattershot for my liking one other thing that i've heard that actually i really like and support is the idea that however long the player gets suspended for their spot is still taken on the roster so that team is down a man for however long that player gets suspended for so you're playing with, uh, instead of whatever the number is, instead of four lines of, of uh, forwards and, you know, three lines of defensemen, you know, you're, uh, instead of 12 forwards, you're playing with 11 forwards just because that, that player can't play, but their roster spot is still taken. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. And, and in the NHL's defense, too, they have cracked down on that nonsense considerably. So it's a much safer league than it has been, say, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, but, you know, you still have dirtbags in there and reckless players. And there's, again, going back to the discussion we had on the first episode, there's far too much risk of injuring a player, uh, a player's brain with repeated concussions. It, you know, that's not something that, you should be taking a chance with if you're the NHL because, well, if you can break somebody's bones and they'll eventually heal up, you hurt somebody's brain too many times and they will never heal. You know, that's not, I mean, they might be able to come back enough so they can play, but their brain will never be exactly the same and repeated shots to the head just worsen things quicker and easier. And just one last uh, kind of caveat to the suggestion that I just made of making the team lose the roster spot for as long as the player is suspended. I would say in the case of like a, an egregious suspension, like, a, a I don't know, a 
10 or 20 game suspension or something worse than that i think there would reasonably be a cap to the number of games that the team would have to lose a roster spot like if a player is suspended for 10 games say or 20 games or half a season you would only make the team lose a roster spot for say the first five out of those because there's enforcement and then there's kind of being ridiculous so uh that that would be my suggestion for kind of evening the playing field with those kind of hits if you the listener have a suggestion for some way to police the uh, nhl or you know, street hockey or whatever, hockey, just period. Uh, If you have a suggestion for a better way to help eliminate these hits from the sport, send it in. We'd be happy to talk about it. All right. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Fantastic. Oh, man. This podcast has been very interesting, and I have a feeling we're going to have another one very interesting podcast next week so you're going to want to join us for that one but uh, that is going to wrap up the fourth episode of the hit the deck podcast and thank you as always for listening to us Uh, on behalf of james i thank you have a question or a topic or anything really that uh, you want to discuss or want us to discuss on the podcast on your behalf please email us at hit the deck at gmail.com that is deck d-e-k as in deck hockey hit the deck at gmail.com on facebook and instagram we are at hit the deck and on twitter you can find us at hit the deck pod we would like to thank anthony sajazi for our music used in the podcast pops for being the voice of the podcast and the liq for helping us out with our sound please Please, please subscribe to us on iTunes and you will be the very first, among the very first to get this very podcast as soon as it drops. James, is there anything you would like to add? Again, we'd just like to thank uh, Mike Margiata for uh, joining us tonight, the founder, if you will, of the LIQ. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening indeed. And lastly, we would like to leave you, of course, with this friendly reminder. It's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody.